What is auto exposure bracketing or AEB? Hi, and a very warm welcome to episode 160 of the Photography Explained podcast. I'm your host, Rick, and in each episode, I will try to explain one photographic thing to you in plain English in less than 27 minutes ish without the irrelevant details. I'm a professionally qualified photographer based in England with a lifetime of photographic experience, which I share with you on my podcast. First, here is the answery bit. Auto exposure bracketing is the process of taking multiple photos at the same time to capture a wider dynamic range, a wider range of lights and darks. That's more of what we can see with our eyes. When using auto exposure bracketing, the camera automatically takes three photos one the correct exposure, one underexposed photo, and one overexposed photo. The amount of under and overexposure is set by the photographer. That's you or me. The camera changes the aperture or shutter speed for the under and overexposed photos, which is determined by the picture mode that is being used. Auto exposure bracketing is also known as AEB and is defined as an advanced operation by Canon. Right, that was the answer a bit. Here is the talky bit. Now, I mentioned this in the last episode, auto exposure bracketing, and it's also known as automatic exposure bracketing, also known as AEB, and also known as auto bracketing. So, shall I stick with, I don't know, AEB for now? Yeah, well, why not? That's what it is, but why do we need auto exposure bracketing? Why being amazing is a problem. See, the problem with our eyes is that they're amazing. The human eye is amazing. The human brain is amazing. And this gives us a problem. See, we humans were so amazing, we're not able to capture what we can see in a single photo. No, the human eye has a wider dynamic range than a camera. The human brain is far more powerful than a camera sensor. A camera cannot capture the same amount of light that we can see. So we're starting off at a bit of a disadvantage, aren't we? But what is the actual difference? How much, how much are we missing out on with our cameras and, and what can we do about it? Well, great questions, Rick. First off, let's start with what is a dynamic range? Now, I'm going to steal from Adobe here. I'm sure they don't mind because um, I'm a paying customer and I'm, I'm, I'm crediting them with what they've said. But I quite like this. So this is from the Adobe website. Dynamic range is the measurement between the maximum and the minimum values that can be perceived in an image or video from the lowest values of density to the highest of luminance. The greater the contrast between the deepest blacks and the brightest whites, the larger the dynamic range. In photography and video, the term is generally used to talk about the maximum dynamic range a camera can capture. There you have it. So it's the measurement between the maximum and the minimum values that can be perceived in an image. Or to put it another way, the range of light from dark to light. There you go, some stuff to think about. So I need to quantify this donor. So let me do some numbers to explain this. Camera versus eye. The Canon 6D has a dynamic range of 10 stops at ISO 100. The human eye has a dynamic range of about 18 to 20 stops. Now, there's lots of variables to this, but it gives you an idea. Now, I'm not going to go in, well, actually, in my script, it says I'm not going to go into the stops here, but a stop is a halving or a doubling of the amount of light. So it's not really about the stops. It's about the relative range of lights and darks that the human eye sees compared to a camera. 
So my Canon 6D, which is a it's a good quality camera, it can capture half of what I can see. So this is where auto exposure bracketing can kick in and it can help us. Now let's just think about this logically. If you had two stops at either end, you go from in theory and yeah, it's probably not that simple, but in general terms, we're going from 10 stops to 14 stops. Now that's a pretty huge jump, isn't it? I mean, I'm no mathematician, but that's a 40% increase. I mean, sure, it's not that simple, but it's a significant increase and it, and it gives you an idea of why this can be helpful to us. So what does this mean? Well, if we're using auto exposure bracketing and we take one photo with the correct exposure, one photo two stops overexposed and one photo two stops underexposed, we're getting more light stuff and more dark stuff, aren't we? We're capturing more of the light and the dark stuff that we can see anyway. And this will help us create a final image that more closely resembles what we were looking at. And that can't be a bad thing, can it? And I'm going to say that more than once. Okay, I'm going to give you some practical examples of auto exposure bracketing. First one, a dark column against a bright sky. Now I'm talking steel columns here, which are always a darker colour. Well, unless they're nice shiny galvanised, but they're not. So this is one of my favourite things to photograph, and, and this is something that I do all the time. And my camera's got no chance of getting the dark face of the steel column against the bright sky. It's got no chance. And this is, this is one of my headline shots on every construction project I photograph. And, and it's such a challenge that this is one occasion where I'll check to see how two-stop bracketing works, and I'll, I'll often have to go broader. Three, four, five stops. I mean, five stops, we're talking a massive range. Well, at five stops, we're, we're at what the human eye can see, aren't we? We've got 10-stop dynamic range on the Canon 6D. Five stops either side is, is 20. Well, <laughs> there you go, job done. Uh, not that simple um, and not that recommended either. Now, two stops is my preferred, but if I have to, I'll go to three stops. And then if that doesn't work, four stops. And if I really have to push it, five stops. But you're starting to get other problems when you do that. So two stops is good, and that's what I work with. Example number two, dark building, bright sky. Now, this is the same as the first example, but it's much less extreme. And using two stops allows me to get the face of the building, which might even be in shadow, and the sky both correctly exposed. That is, two stops is what I use generally most of the time, apart from when it doesn't work. Example number three, dark landscape, bright sky. Well, it's the same thing, isn't it? You've got a bright sky and you've got a dark foreground and with a single image capture, you'll either get the sky or the dark bits <laughs> correctly exposed, but not both. Okay, another example and the best example. This is the example that does it for me. Hopefully it works for you too. This is, a <laughs> my script said, this is a great example if I do say so myself. That was just reminding me that it was a great example in case I couldn't remember. <laughs> but you can do this wherever you are, as, as long as you're indoors, that is. So what you do is this. You, you take a photo of a room using whatever the camera says. Now, this is a room with a window. Light off, window, hopefully bright day. So you take a photo of the room. It's a general exposure of what's in front of you. Then you take another photo and you get the correct exposure for the window. And then you take a third photo using the correct exposure for the shadows. 
what are you doing here? You're getting three correct exposures for the three different levels of light in a room. And that's all exposure bracketing is, isn't it? That's all we're doing. See, what we're doing is we're accepting the limitations of our camera and we're doing something about it. We're using the features built into the camera to give us the best exposure that we can get and that'll help us to create the best photos that we can, which is what this is all about. We're using auto exposure bracketing to capture a wider range of lights and darks. We're using auto exposure bracketing to capture more of the light that we are looking at. So, as my script says, what could possibly be wrong with that? In my opinion, nothing. Right then, well, who uses auto exposure bracketing? Well, I do. I'm an architectural photographer and I use this for my real estate photography and for my construction photography. And landscape photographers use auto exposure bracketing, as does anyone who wants to get a broader range of lights and darks. Is it okay to use auto exposure bracketing? Sorry, I, I, I did say at the beginning, didn't I, that I was going to refer to it as AEB for the rest of the episode, but as it turns out, I'm clearly happy saying all three words. I'm, I'm managing to do that and put that extra effort in rather than, rather than go with the acronym. I'm not an acronym person, really. Is it okay to use it? Yes, of course it is. It's a setting on Canon cameras, and if that doesn't reassure you, I don't know what will. It's fine. Most modern cameras will have auto exposure bracketing, and here I'm talking about modern DSLR and mirrorless cameras. I would imagine they've all got this feature built in, which it sort of tells us that it's kind of fine, isn't it? So when should I not use it? Well, you can't use it for fast moving things as the thing will have moved before you take the second and third photos. It's not designed for that. And you wouldn't use it to photograph people because that doesn't really make any sense. Now, you use auto exposure bracketing anytime you're photographing anything that's not moving where you can't get the range of lights and darks in a single image capture. But are there any problems using it? Well, yes, there are, Rick. Yes, there are. See, one problem I find, and I was looking at this on a photo not uh, just the other day. When I'm photographing a building in a public space, if there are people moving around in the composition, they get a bit funky and weird. And the amount of funkiness and weirdness depends on how fast they're moving. So this is what I do. This is genius. I try to avoid having people in the background by doing this technical thing called um, waiting. See, I'd rather wait a minute and have no people in than spend 10, 20 minutes in Photoshop trying to sort out what can be a very complicated problem. The problem that I had was in a photo, there were, there were three people. One didn't move, one moved a bit, one moved a lot, and, and the head was all weird and funny, but you could still make out the face. And the backdrop to this was some, some bright yellow checkered markings on the tarmac, and trying to edit that one out was a nightmare. In that case, I did the decent thing and picked another photo. Just be aware of that. And there are other things moving in photos which can cause me a problem. Like for me, this is trees on a windy day or loose things flapping and, and fast-moving clouds. Now, flapping things, I'm just going to remove in Photoshop. And for trees and clouds, I can go one of two ways. Well, I can either just live with it or I can choose a faster set of shutter speeds by raising the ISO. And this normally works because I'm starting at 100 ISO. So if I go up to 800, which is okay during daylight, it's probably fine. I'm probably fine at 1600. I'm a little bit paranoid about using a fast ISO. But if I go to 800, that's three stops and that should be okay. Or you can just live with it because it gives the clouds a little bit of a, I don't know, an ethereal look. Ethereal? 
first time I've used that on the podcast. Right, how do I use exposure? <laughs> how do I use auto exposure bracketing? Okay, with my Canon 6D, I select auto exposure bracketing in the menus and I turn the dial to select the range, which is plus two stops and minus two stops. I press set and I'm done. Now, I'm not going to go into the detail of the AEB settings. There you go, I did the short version. As for sure, yours won't be the same as mine, unless you're using a Canon 6D, that is. But the basic camera settings will be the same, because we're talking aperture, shutter speed and ISO, and a bracketing amount. So they'll be the same whatever the camera model. Check your camera manual. It'll be in there somewhere amongst all those different settings. It'll be there somewhere. Yeah, so the camera takes three photos and that's that. And if this does not work, all you need to do is use different exposure settings. Now, I rarely have to do this, but now and then I do. And to do this, I use the exposure compensation dial to shift the exposure one way or the other. So we do need to keep an eye on what we're getting. It's not a, a set and forget forever thing. Check the bracketed shots are okay and that you're capturing what you need to. And if not, you need to change the exposure level. So different exposure levels, they might demand tweaks to what you're doing. Like with all these things, you don't just set and forget it. Keep an eye on it, make sure it's doing what you want it to do. I'd say 95% of the time, two stops under and two stops over works for the work that I'm doing. And I use AV mode for most of my photography. So in AV mode, the camera keeps the aperture the same and it changes the shutter speed. So the underexposed and overexposed photos have got the same aperture, but the shutter speed has been changed by the camera. Again, be aware um, that this could cause you a problem. Oh, next point. Shut up, Rick. Read your script. Put your camera on a tripod. So, yeah, using auto bracketing, you're taking three photos automatically, one after the other. And in Lightroom, which I use, it aligns the photos when you merge them together. But for the best results, put your camera on a tripod and use the self-timer. This will give you the sharpest, highest quality, best aligned photos. And it also gets around the problem of one of the shutter speeds being slow enough that you'll get blur if you're shooting handheld. So this works better with your camera on a tripod. Or be aware of what your slowest shutter speed is and hold your camera really carefully. There's an episode on that a long, long time ago called How to Hold Your Camera, Would You Believe? Can't remember what number it is. Um, yeah, check out the podcast website photographyexplainedpodcast.com so what do you do if you haven't got auto exposure bracketing on your camera well i think it's unlikely that you won't have it but this is what you do it's simple you can do this yourself manually so the best way is to use manual av or tv modes and you just take three photos one photo with the correct exposure one photo two stops overexposed and one photo two stops underexposed Merge together in Lightroom or whatever you use, and there you go. It's exactly the same. But your camera needs to be in the same position with the same composition for all three shots. So you can't just take three photos 30 seconds apart because they'll never align. So you've got to take them at the same time. So again, on a tripod, do it manually just fine. Right, one other thing. Well, yeah, take three photos and guess what? You've got the first correctly exposed image anyway. So. If you want to work with a single shot, you've always got it and you're sorted. Just because you're using auto exposure bracketing, it doesn't force you into using all three images if you don't want to. So you have nothing to lose really other than a bit of memory on a hard drive. <laughs> That's the worst it gets. So what about the other camera modes then? Well, 
In manual mode, the same thing happens as with aperture priority. In TV mode, or shutter speed mode, or shutter priority mode, the camera changes the aperture but keeps the shutter speed the same. And in program mode, it, it can change both, it just depends. So it's important that you remember this. You need to know what your camera's doing because this could have a major impact on the three photos. It'll impact depth of field, camera shake, and all that good stuff. Oh yeah, another one which I, I did forget was check your drive mode. And that's not a complication I want to get into here. Okay, a further question. Is this HDR photography? Well, HDR is high dynamic range. It doesn't sound a bad thing, does it? Because the dynamic range is the range of lights and darks that we can see. We covered that earlier. So what's the difference? Well, the difference is that AEB is the physical process of capturing the photos. That's the image capture bit. And you could say that HDR is the act of creating the high dynamic range photo. The processing bit. Do this and you've created an HDR image. And even Adobe accepts this in Lightroom. So that's the difference in the terms. Uh, but it doesn't really matter. But what you need to do is this. Say that you use, say that you use auto exposure bracketing and no one will bat an eyelid. However, say that you're using HDR though and people, well, okay, other photographers, they might call you out and saying that HDR is bad practice and you shouldn't be doing it. HDR is not a good thing. I think I did a podcast episode called Is HDR Bad? It might have been a blog post. Just go to rickmacavoyphotography.com and type in Is HDR Photography Bad? And you'll find it there. Yeah, HDR, it had a bad reputation. And this, this goes back to when it was used to create these massively overprocessed images. And yeah, I was guilty of that as well. I mean, we're talking the HDR photos, which are these awful, grungy things. So HDR had a bad reputation, and rightly so. But, but not these days. These days, you can't tell if people are using auto-exposure bracketing. All you're doing is seeing a photo with a, with a wider range of lights and dark. So let's just say we do auto-exposure bracketing, yeah? Say that and everything will be fine. Right, talk a bit over. What if I use a phone and not a camera? Well... I don't even think there's such a thing with phones anymore. They, they used to have an HDR setting, I seem to remember. I don't even think that this is a thing with phones. Taking a photo is such a technically, tech, <laughs> technologically advanced thing. So I had to do a quick search and, yep, there are apps that do this. Well, of course there are. How could I ever doubt this? And do you know what? When I get my shiny new phone, I'm going to try this. And I'm adding this one to a list of things for a new episode about taking photos with a phone, an update. Excuse me a second. Type, 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 type. There, I've just added this to my list. Why did I write that in my script? There, I've just added this to my list. You didn't need to know that, did you? Okay, what if I use a film camera? Well, you can't do this. This is a digital thing. Well, okay, you can. You can take three photos with different exposures, but... This is more about covering yourself and making sure you get the best exposure that you can in tricky lighting. But this isn't really AEB. This is manually taking different exposures to cover yourself. No, you can't do AEB with a film camera. And even if there is some long, complicated, convoluted thing, a thing which some clever person is probably going to tell me about, in my opinion, by the time you've done that, if you can, that is, you might as well have just got yourself a digital camera. Did that make sense? I think I know what I wanted to say. I might have to clarify that in the next episode. Okay, stick to something that I do know. What do I do? 
This is what I do. I set my camera to use auto exposure bracketing. I set the ISO to 100. I select AV mode, aka aperture priority mode. I choose an aperture value of f8. I put my camera on a tripod. I get my composition sorted. I focus and then I take a meter reading. If all's looking good, I press the shutter button, which starts the self timer. And 10 seconds later, the three photos are taken with my camera dead still on a tripod to give me the sharpest, best aligned photos. And as I said before, 99 times out of 100, all is good and I can move on. So I'm taking three photos. The first one is the correct exposure. The next one is two stops underexposed, I think. And the third one is two stops overexposed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's that way around. Not that it really matters, does it? Then I get the photos and I merge them together in Lightroom, which gives me a new image with an expanded range of lights and darks. And, and that's the photo that I work on. I put the four photos together in a stack in Lightroom with the newly created image at the top. And I do that with every photo, so I'm not looking at hundreds of photos of the same thing, which is a nightmare. Stacking's a brilliant tool in Lightroom, by the way. All these things together mean that I do not need to worry too much about the exposure when I take a photo. I've got most bases covered and using AEB, the bits at either end are covered too. And another thing that I do is I go into manual mode and I do this myself. I mentioned this before. See, yeah, you can do manual bracketing. The biggest sequence I've done is six stops underexposed to six stops overexposed. And that worked too in, in an extreme condition. It was darkly painted steel. It, it was a floor with built of steel with, with some metal decking and the sun was shining off the shiny metal and the sky was really bright and the steel was painted dark grey. So I had to get all those bits in together. So yeah, six stops. I don't do it all the time, but I did this time and it worked. And like I say, that's the biggest number of shots I've ever taken for a single image, 12. I think I got 13 actually and I never understood why. I just chucked them all together and it was fine. And this is why understanding manual mode is such a good thing. Nice little point here because it helps you to get around most situations. And the times when what you normally do doesn't work, you can go into manual and, and it can help you out. And what does this mean for me? Well, it means that all these things together, they allow me to concentrate on the composition, which is just how I want things to be. I don't want to be faffing around with my camera adjusting things. When I'm out taking photos, I concentrate on what's in the photo, and that is what I do. Some thoughts from the last episode. Well, episode 159 was camera metering, how to get the right exposure. I think this episode was okay, apart from the fact I was using a slightly older version of the script, that is. Thankfully, I sorted out that basic error, so that shouldn't happen again, and it hasn't happened on this episode, thankfully. But that was the first episode recorded with my shiny new PC, which was brilliant. It just worked perfectly. So, so that was good. Next episode, Photography Explained Podcast, episode 161. <laughs> I missed that bit off my script. What is crop factor? Now, I've been threatening to do this for ages, so I'm going to get around to it in this episode, and that'll be crop factor done. I've got some work to do on that one, so it'll be good. I'm looking forward to that. Okay, ask me a question. If you've got a question you'd like me to answer, just head over to the podcast website, photographyexplainedpodcast.com forward slash dart, where you can find out what to do. Or just say hi. I don't mind. It'd be lovely to hear from you. And that would save me from having to come up with a question myself. Okay. This episode was brought to you by, well, 
This one's being recorded on a different day at a different time for a reason I'll come on to in another episode. Now, six o'clock in the morning, so too early for a cheese and pickle sandwich and a bag of salt and vinegar crisps, so this episode was brought to you by a nice, simple cup of tea. Sitting in my homemade, acoustically cushioned recording emporium. Today's acoustic treatment is two pillows and two hoodies and a shiny new computer working faultlessly. Right, I'm going to stop there. I've been Rick McAvoy. Thanks again very much for listening to my small but perfectly formed podcast, it says here, and for giving me 27-ish minutes of your valuable time. Uh, I think this episode will be about 24 minutes longer after I've done the edit and got rid of all the mistakes and bad stuff, so I'll stop there. Take care. Stay safe. Cheers from me, Rick.